0: Printmaking didn't really grab me until I took my litho class. I think what helped with the litho class was you had to plan everything ahead of time. All the layers, all, everything was planned out. And I think that helped give me structure to the work I was creating.
1: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 161st episode, I'm joined by Amanda Kralovic, who is a printmaker and mixed media artist. And she was also one of our finalists for last year's 2015 Studio Break competition. Her work was selected by Julia Friedman of Exchange Works, so we're very excited to have her on. If, in fact, this is the first time you're listening to Studio Break, we just want to let you know that Studio Break is a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists. Artists, They come on and share insight into their studio practice in these lengthy interviews. Again, you can listen right there on the default player on studiobreak.com. There's a link to the iTunes store, so you could also go there, subscribe to the podcast, and check it out there. But each of the posts that we have have images of the artist's work, links to their website, so you can find out about current shows and other information so again feel free to peruse the archive again you can locate that left on the sidebar and scroll back month by month check out some of the podcasts that you missed so please do that of course we would appreciate it if you followed us on a variety of different media platforms, including Facebook, so you can like and follow our page there to get updates. You can follow us on Tumblr, that's studio tumblr, And last but not least, please send all your cool tweets to Studiobreak on Twitter. And with that out of the way, here is our interview with Amanda Kralovic. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Amanda Kralovic. How are you this afternoon?
0: I'm doing well today.
1: (laughs) Again, you are one of our um, finalists for the Studio Break uh, annual competition. So, again, it's very exciting to finally have you on. And again, I appreciate you applying. It's uh, interesting to get all these applications, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm very honored to be uh, picked as one of the finalists. I know I just graduated with my MFA, so I was like applying all over the place. And this is one of the things that I. Got and I'm very happy to be here. So
1: Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um and again, I always kind of like to get a background of someone just to kind of get an idea where they're from and, and you know, maybe kind of starting from there. So so where are you from? Where did you grow up? And we um, can I'm, unlock your childhood after that, yes. I guess.
0: <laughs> um I'm originally from upstate New York, kinda near Saratoga Springs. I don't know it's everybody knows it as the racetrack. And I then went to undergrad at Central Connecticut State University for uh, illustration um, studio art illustration and then I lived in Boston for many many years probably almost eight years before going to get my MFA at UMass Dartmouth for printmaking.
1: Cool cool and so was art always something that was on your brain and in terms of that again I know that you also have um, you're also an athlete too if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yes Growing up, I was a competitive swimmer. Um, I started about 12 years old, and I just kept continuing on. I did it through, you know, all through high school and undergraduate. In college, I swam. And then, and then I actually stopped after that, and I tried— because I really finished—I finished swimming, and it was like, who am I? I had always been interested in art. I was a studio art major, and, um, I had just, I just didn't know who myself I was after, you know, cause I was known as a swimmer, mm-hmm. you know, I was swimmer, Amanda. Mm-hmm. And although art was always a part of me and always what I wanted to do, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I think it took a long time. I tried so many different things within the art field that it just took me a long time to really focus in on what I wanted to be doing.
1: And were you always kind of like working like tangentially then, or at least like you're training as a swimmer and then you're also kind of like doing creative, you know, art stuff when you're not swimming?
0: Right. Yes. I mean, it was always kind of like when I was in high school, I had this one little corner in my room that I'd always do my like artsy craft. It was more like arts and crafts when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And I paint a lot of wood and I do like that type of thing. And then. And then once I got to college, I mean, in high school, we had a good art program as well, where we draw and paint and, you know, mm-hmm. from still lives and model, well, not really models, but each other, you know. So we were getting that background in, in high school. But then in in undergrad, I really studied more. I was into painting, drawing, illustration type stuff. So that was kind of the direction I went for a while. And I actually did a lot of graphic design, too, because, you know, I went to, at, to school at the time when graphic design was so big, still big, but it was so big that that was the thing that was going to lead you to a job. So I did it and I did it for a while. And then I'm like, I want more hands-on stuff. This mm-hmm. computer, I can't sit at the computer for, you know, ages and ages or hours and hours. And I just, I just, my whole last year, I ended up doing all you know hands-on art classes along with some art history obviously and um and then graduated and my didn't really know what I was going to do after that I had a degree <laughs> in art so i ended up yeah mo- i moved to boston and i got a uh, admin job there um and it really was just to pay rent and i worked on my art on the side and it took me many years to get back to it after that
1: well I- i'm curious then so like in terms of like uh, illustration and that i mean I guess in, in terms of your kind of like initial experience, you know, before kind of going back and getting your MFA and, and kind of working through all these different experiences, um, what kind of things did you did you like to make uh, in terms of like a subject, in terms of painting or printmaking or, you know, anything that you might have maybe studied in undergrad? What, what did that work look like, I guess is all I'm <laughs> trying to get across.
0: Well, my work from undergrad, it was really mostly what my teachers asked me to do. I wasn't really going that far into, like, illustration-wise. I did have, like, a capstone show, and I did. I wanted to be a children's illustrator, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went more a children's route for my final. I had written a book, um, and I illustrated it. And I can't say that it came across very well. I think that was really the beginning of my, like, sequence-type work that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it really portrayed what (laughs) it was supposed to, but I think I took that after, like after graduate undergrad school, I took a class at mass art in illustration and I actually put together the actual, an actual children's book. It was about this bear that I had growing up. I was always into stuffed animals, so... I had this big bear um, that I called Winter, and I created this book called Hello Winter, Mm -hmm. and I illustrated it. And, of course, I sent it out trying to, you know, get it published. It never got published, but maybe someday.
1: (laughs) Well, so I'm kind of curious then, too. So, like, you know, you, you finish undergrad. And it sounds like, again, you kind of go to to, to work as a graphic designer, you know, because, and again, I think that's something that's still, you know, th- things that people think about today in terms of just working digitally, working on the computer, or kind of like in a field where it seems kind of practical. Was there something about, too, like, just kind of working, like, on other people's creative, like, projects that you'd rather, like, you started kind of, like, thinking, like, man, I really wish I could just focus on what, like, I want to do kind of creatively?
0: was like when I was doing administration. It was administration work. I wasn't really doing much graphic design. It was just administration work for a residency medical residency program. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I was doing work on my side. I was taking classes. I think when I was I was taking classes at Mass Art and School of SMFA, mm-hmm. and um, taking a class a semester really just helped me keep going with my art. Um, I had ran into a lot of people. Who said that, you know, like in the classes that said, Oh, I graduated from mass art, you know, 10 years ago. This is the first time I've done art since. That was kind of disappointing to me because I, I mean, I had wanted to be an artist since I was like three years old. So I was just like, well, I can't let that happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of, I kept taking classes because I think my mind wasn't really there as to what I had wanted to do with it. Um, I had done this series at the end of undergrad with these buttons. And I don't like it was a painting series and I thought I wanted to be a painter. Um and so I I practiced painting for a while and I actually did I I spent a couple years having a social life in Boston actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really get much work. I was doing some little things, you know, like studies in a way, um you would call them, but not very often. And then I did, I sat down, this was probably, what, five years after graduation or something? It was, or four four or five years after graduation. I sat down and go, I got to get a portfolio ready because I've always wanted to get my MFA. And so I just kind of started painting, doing some paintings. Back then, I was doing a lot with, I. you know, I was always a sewer growing up. um, So I had wanted to take this idea of quilts and paint them in a way because they're not warm and comfortable anymore. So I created a whole series of like painting quilts that were, you know, they hang on the wall and they're, you know, they're canvas, you know, mm-hmm. so you can't really warm yourself with them. Um, but they were, you know, pretty in a way, but they were different. And then I was hand embroidering into them. So it was something that, you know, that now I'm stabbing them, you know, and I'm turning them into because I was living in the city and I was kind of in a job where you're expected to get married and have kids, you know, and that's what you're supposed to be doing with your life. And I was like, no, I want a career and, a, you know, with my art and I want to do something. And I was just like, no, I, you know, I was against it, against what I was supposed to be told to do, you know, or what was expected of me to do.
1: I'm curious. So so like in in terms of like these uh, classes that you'd be taking then, and I guess I'm thinking now, like specifically like you're living in Boston, um, you're taking all these classes, kind of getting like, you know, more more things together, I guess, to be able to apply for school. What kind of classes are you taking?
0: For a while, I just started taking like a painting open class where you just go. They had a model there. You could paint the model, or you could do something else in the background. You know, mm-hmm. so you're just painting, and you're in a way having an instructor, and you'd have the critiques. I mean, critiques are extremely helpful. So it's just taking that, going once or twice a week, depending on how long the class was. But then I did, I did start. That was when I started getting into printmaking. I started. I take took an etching class, and I was not a black and white person. I'm very into color. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was very different for me. So I took this etching class, but I really liked the teacher. She was just, explore what you want to explore and, you know, do this. And if you mess up, eh, it's okay. And it was just very open. And I think that helped me, like, get somewhere with my artwork, I guess. I had been doing the painting series on the side, uh, these domestic square type things, that I was doing these paintings with embroidery, but I was still just practicing. Like, I think I liked going in there and just doodling in a way on the, on the, you know, copper that we were using. So it was just kind of an open free time for me to just do whatever. And I liked the teacher so much that I decided to take her monoprint class in in the fall. So then I took monoprinting, which was more color-based. I kind of liked it. Since I... After that, I decided really to go into printmaking for a while because I had actually never taken a printmaking class in undergrad. Um, So that was my first experience with printmaking. Monoprinting, I did like because I got to use color, but I don't think it grabbed me. Printmaking didn't really grab me until I took my litho class. Um, For some reason, litho, I think what helped with the litho class was you had to plan everything ahead of time. Mm-hmm. All the layers, all everything was planned out. And I think that it helped give me structure to the work I was creating. I don't think without that structure, like monoprint was so free, you could run through, you know, one play and then you go, then you could change it later and run another play through. And I think I needed the structure where it was all laid out ahead of time. All these parts were, you know, there and I could figure it out and like doing that layout process before really helped my work get to a level where I knew what I, I was trying to say something with it rather than just going in and just haphazardly doing something.
1: And so was that, I guess, just a kind of... um Think about it in the context of, of uh, that experience, especially of like school then, or at least grad school then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So when did you when did you get in, and and was that something that you just kind of thought like this was like a a time where I get to focus then now? And
0: uh... Uh, yes, I wanted to go to grad school for a while, and as I said, I was a painter. I thought I was going to go for painting, and I actually applied for painting slash some fiber arts years a couple years I think for oh nine or ten I can't remember fall and I got into a painting program actually and I deferred for a year at the time I had taken like the etching class and the monoprinting class and I had been like but should I focus on printmaking you know like which way should I be going um so I deferred for a year and then I was actually signed up for the next year and then just out of the I don't I t- had taken the litho class in between, and I was still kind of debating. And I was like, I, it just came to me one day. I was signed up. I had classes all ready for painting MFA. And I go, no, I'm not going to go. <laughs> I really think I'm a printmaker. I'm going to concentrate, get my portfolio ready in printmaking. Because at that time, I really didn't have, you know, because you need 20 images or something to, about, to apply for an MFA. Some of them needed 12, but most of them needed 20. And it was just like, well, I need to get Twenty good prints, you know. I mean, I'm sure they would have accepted the paintings, but I was just, I, I, yeah. So I basically go, no, I'm not going to go. And I spent, and I was spending the next two years, I think, working on my portfolio to apply. And then I, I got in for printmaking, and I went for printmaking.
1: <laughs> I'm curious then too, like in terms of you know, like going for something kind of different, at least in terms of undergrad. Was it? it interesting to kind of be like around you know all these all these other artists and and certainly like in terms of printmaking i would imagine that there's like a wealth of uh, knowledge and information kind of like with every printmaker that you meet <laughs>
0: um yes um in grad school i mean it wasn't i had been taking classes at SMFA in printmaking for you know a good 2 years so in a way it had been it, interspersed, I guess that's the word, um, in with all the printmakers there. So I kind of felt like I had had that group at SMFA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went down to UMass Dartmouth and, you know, in a way I got more, um, some people say, Oh, you should have just stayed at SMFA and gone to the MFA program there. And I was actually like, no, I needed, I wanted to experience something different. Cause I learned all my printmaking at SMFA, And I wanted to experience, and there was definitely different things that they did down at UMass Dartmouth that they didn't do at SMFA. And I felt like learning those different things was good, a good step for me because every department across the entire country is going to do something different. So it opened up my eyes to different things that you could do within printmaking, I guess, and...
1: No, I think that I think that makes sense completely. Um, well, because I think it's just always interesting to kind of examine those environments. You know, you kind of get used to making something in a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, meeting with professors that are like, we don't want you to make this anymore. We want you to make something else. And then someone says something in critique and, you know, you kind of go in a different direction. So, again, it's always such an interesting kind of time to think about that. You know, it's almost like an explosion of like different investigations. Or at least right. usually, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. A lot oh, of yeah, pulling. <laughs> you get thrown a lot of things in grad school where you're like, well, no, that's not what I want to be doing at all. Mm-hmm. I think, or I don't like, you know, like, I don't know. I wouldn't go in that direction at all. Cause they like try to, you know, push you in one direction or the other. And I think it was always good for me to step back for several days from those critiques. And then might say something to my you know people in the program are friends right away because i was you know angry with the what they said you know i it wasn't the direction i wanted to really be going in or what but if you actually sit down and think about it for hours later and days later they're actually helping you Mm -hmm. um often i i would figure oh my god they were right you know (laughs) sure um and then it changes you because then you you start thinking of you know new ideas come Or you don't necessarily go that direction that they said, but you take what they said and you kind of go in your direction.
1: Well, I think it's interesting, again, because I think for me, I always have like this thing where I don't like to – I like to wait three days before I kind of like look at something and like decide if it's okay. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when it's just fresh, it's just kind of like really raw like that. Um, Were there other kind of like experiences like in terms of like artists that you were looking at or – you know, other things that were kind of influencing in, in you, because I'm, I'm again, especially interested in trying to figure out. You know, like. You know, where, how people start generating their ideas and, you know, like, especially as, as we were talking about, you know, a couple of minutes ago in terms of printmaking, you know, if you start planning all these things out, I'm curious if there's like a particular art, artist that you're kind of like referencing or looking at to start and kind of going like, Oh, I want to maybe do something like that. And then in terms of the studio practice, I mean, is it like something where you would like plan things out in a sketchbook and then kind of proceed from there or do mock-ups or guess there's two questions there
0: (laughs) i grew up in a family they didn't really know much about art i mean they did but they knew the standard of what everybody else knows you know degas the Impressionists. you know that was the big thing um when i was younger so i kind of did an essay in undergrad on degas and i learned that he loved japanese art so i started like looking into japanese art japanese prints and everything and you know i had been living in Boston for a while, went to the MFA and their, their Japanese print section is huge. You know, it's one of the biggest in, I think outside of Japan, the collection that they have. So, you know, I'd always see, I think I got inspired by the, the way the flatness of their images are, uh, along with all the patterns and the illustrative look to them. So a lot of my prints, um, are kind of based on that. But I also got into a lot of the color theory artists like Barnett Newman, um, Mark Rothko a little bit, um, but I love Barnett Newman. I could stand in front of one of his paintings for hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, and actually I did stand in one of his paintings. Um, I was in DC in the East Wing, I think, or East whatever side it is. Um But they were in the basement, and I was standing there, and I was the only person there. And I think the guard might have been a little lonely, or I don't know. Um, But I was probably there for 45 minutes staring at these, like, five or six Barnett Newman paintings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just couldn't get enough of them. But, like, he was staring at me for, like, a good, out of the 45 minutes, a good half an hour. Mm -hmm. Probably because I was so close to them. But (laughs) I didn't touch them, so that's good. (laughs) I mean, I stand in front of them and I just like shake, you know? Um,
1: So that like idea of like something that's really like an experience almost in terms of like when you're seeing it. Sure.
0: mm -hmm. So I definitely was interested in that. So when I started that cyanotype series that I did um, towards the end of grad school, I think I was going for that repetition, but making you feel something and that's what kind of came out of that. I had been dealing a lot with using color and emotion and pattern as kind of relation to my own emotions. Um, I had struggled a lot in the past with some deep pain. I mean, not, not physical pain, but emotional, like hurt, you know, um, mm-hmm. when I had left Boston and I just, I needed to get out of there. So that's why I went to Mess Dartmouth and, So I started that series and it was kind of supposed to be related to um, I was trying to use like nature in a way, but like the cross section in nature when you like see in books, you know, like what a valley looks like or something like that. But Mm -hmm. so I started that series. I go, oh, I want to do these like deep pain grooves into, you know, with these little just glass beads that laid down on the paper. And I did a whole I tried all different things. I was having fun with that. So,
1: Well, and just to be clear, because I am a terrible printmaker, um, what is a uh, cyanotype? Could you kind of explain that process, what it is? A
0: cyanotype is you treat the paper so that it uh, reacts to sun or light, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, you do it all in the dark room. You treat it. You have to make sure, you know, it's not exposed to anything. And then, like, I would lay out these little glass beads on it. And then I'd put it into this machine that we had in grad school that, you know, put light on it from the top. Wherever it's exposed to the sun or the light, um, it turns—it actually turns a gray color. Um, and however long it's exposed, it turns darker, basically. The more exposure, the darker it's going to get. The less exposure, the lighter it's going to get. And once it's done, um, you take it out, take off, I took off the objects and you put in water and that's when it chemically reacts and turns blue wherever it was exposed. Okay. And anything else that wasn't exposed, it turn it, you know, it wasn't exposed. So it just the liquid that you put on it just comes right off and it leaves it with the color of the paper. Okay. That was there.
1: And I'm curious, is it something too where you're still like working up with the with like layers and kind uh, of like making those, those adjustments or is it happening those, at once?
0: Those were not layers, but in a way they were layers because I would put it in for five minutes and then the lightest spots, the stuff where it wasn't as dark, like I'd, I'd cover up and then I'd, I'd put it in for another couple of minutes so that it the red, The rest of it was exposed for, like, seven minutes, and then I'd cover some more up. Okay. And then, so I'd keep covering it up until about 25 minutes was the darkest areas of those images. So, I mean, in a way, that's layering, I guess.
1: Right, right. Um, it's like just a different process, right? Kind yes. of in some ways similar but different and still again kind of like a process. So
0: Like my process for those was I had been thinking of them. I had been working on my thesis piece um which was really all I mean that was laid out from September. That took me September all the way up through March. The mm-hmm. entire piece was laid out ahead of time. You know, it was I didn't change anything after like the end of September. Mm-hmm. It was completely 100% laid out. And so I had been thinking about it while I was printing that at the Litho Press. So in a way, they were laid out in my head. Those I didn't do like mock layouts of what they were going to look like. I kind of had ideas of what I wanted to do, and I knew what I wanted to do. And then I just kind of took the glass beads, and I let the glass beads kind of fall where they did and made these grooves like didn't put the glass beads in those grooves spot that that the paper where the paper's really like a dark blue there was no glass beads there so I created these uh, these dips I guess that are in the surface of you know the cross section of the landscape I guess it is or the land I mm-hmm. uh, yeah I created these shapes and I let you know and then i go okay so where's going to be lighter and where's going to be darker um as it gradually goes up or down depending on which
1: yeah there again it's really kind of interesting there's like a there's like an atmosphere or like i don't know there's there's this weird th- kind of relationship that i get when i look at them cuz even even though i don't know that it's directly tied into you know, in your artist statement, you kind of talk about, you know, obviously like water and kind of like being underwater, right. but I mm-hmm. kind of think of those, like, like a lack of depth perception or like the kind of weird ways that your eyes will get affected. And again, I'm sure that as a swimmer, you wear goggles and protect your eyes, <laughs> right. but you know, yes. like I kind of think of that, like blur, like something where it's almost like blurring or, you know, and you kind of I... see like these layers. So again, it's really interesting to kind of think about those relationships when looking at yeah. them
0: in a way, I mean, a lot of my work, I I was such a swimmer. Like I said, when I stopped swimming, I didn't know who I was. I was a swimmer. That's who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think even now, everything that I do has some tie into swimming, like so subconsciously that I don't really even, I don't see it, but everybody else sees it. You know, it's there because it's in me and I can't
1: especially like interested like because you use the word kind of like landscape to describe them um is there like a, a particular i don't know like a a particular feeling or kind of like reaction because I, I you've also kind of talked about that a little bit too i mean is it just something where people you want people to kind of see that like a kind of intensity and kind of pay attention to like you know the formal subtleties that are kind of going on because again they're really kind of like i don't know these very strange but kind of really kind of you know they draw you in
0: yeah I mean, in a way, my work is now supposed to... I'm going towards this... They're landscapes of the mind, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're... I mean, you're supposed to be drawn into all the little things that are happening within the piece. And then I had a couple different types of beads in there. So some of them exposed darker when they exposed, and some of them were lighter when they exposed. So you never know. Every once in a while, there's, you know, one that's much lighter in among ones that are much darker. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It was, yeah, it's supposed to be a very, bring you in and really look at all these little details. That's what it's supposed to be doing, I guess. Yeah.
1: Actually, I I realize that too, as I'm looking at these too, I think about like, um, whenever you see like those underwater divers, you know, like in terms of like that dark kind of water, but then there's like part of it that's kind of illuminated. Like, again, in terms of like a trajectory or like a path or like a, you know, like a a depth or, like you know, something that you're going into spatially, it kind of has that play too. So it's, again, kind of interesting to me.
0: Well, I talked about this a lot in my thesis, and I think this might be important, is, you know, I spent, I think I put it in my statement too, I spent hours and, you know, when I was a swimmer, hours and hours a day, just moving back and forth with the line at the bottom of the pool. Um, And it's really when you're a swimmer, and you're practicing, it's really just you and the water. Although there are other people there, and you're swimming against other. you're supposed to be concentrating on you. I mean, my coach from high school would always say, this is not like when you're competing against someone, you're not supposed to be competing against that person. You're supposed to be competing against the clock, which is basically just competing against you. Because you're only really trying to beat your last best time, not the person next to you. So you're supposed to be in this bubble, in a way, when you're in the water, you're not supposed to be thinking about anything. You're only supposed to be thinking about what you're doing. And I think that's what one of the things that also drew me to printmaking, it's very physical. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're constantly moving and doing things, you're on your feet, as well as you're thinking, and you're working. And um, all those things combined together, and your mental aspect is there, you have to be mentally focused on what you're doing. So it's really a combination of physical, mental.
1: No, no, I think I think that totally makes sense. Um, and especially, too, like, I mean, really, like, any time that I wind up looking at, like, a, especially, like, non-objective work, you know, you're kind of, like, trying to find a place into it, you know. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of the things that you're talking about um, would be what you're, you're kind of left for because you're trying to understand this experience or um, even just kind of ask. So I think in that sense, again, that makes a lot of sense and also seems like that it works pretty well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the Santa tape gave you that deep, dark blue that to me comes across as moody. And I don't, to me, it came, you know, paint, it was, I was trying to, you know, paint, but color, I mean, color is totally up to the viewer, in my opinion. I mean, even if you read stuff, I've done a lot of reading on color It is a very personal thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it could come across as anything, you know, it's a little ambiguous, because not everybody, you know, thinks the same thing when they see a deep, dark navy blue. You know, so.
1: So what what have you been, I guess, doing since then? Um, in terms of obviously living, and again, there's some teaching experiences that we can talk about too. But um, you know, what what is how is that transition into the work, at least in terms of what you're doing now? Because again, there are some kind of newer pieces it looks like on on your site that are, are screen yes. printed, and and they're again. Like, in terms of a range of colors, you know, as as, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the process that, that we were just talking about.
0: Right. Um, yes, I am trying to deal a lot with color and pattern related to, in in a way, natural forms that kind of form. You know, I did that screen printing series on rivers. You know, rinsers are constantly moving, changing. But then relating the color to, like, an emotional side of me. um, and I tend to bring out color kind of intuitively in a way. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, exactly what I'm trying to say, but I do. It's in there. But layering, um, and I mean, one of those screen prints that he did was 24 layers. I've never done anything with that many layers, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 24 layers uh, completed the entire thing. And I was like, wow, uh, look at all the colors in there. Um, but patterns i mean in a way in nature patterns naturally form so i'm working in a way this visual i'm trying to do like a visual language you know um of using color pattern shape to create these forms but i'm trying to use nature as a way of expressing my emotional kind of process i guess or state um so yeah like the rivers were you know movement and change constantly moving
1: um it seems like a lot of that process is is really important too then um Mm -hmm. and it seems like it kind of really relates to that kind of reactive way that you maybe had to be for a long time in terms of just being a swimmer you know right um but i like also kind of seeing the way that the colors will start to kind of interact differently you know maybe you print another screen that has like i don't know a lighter color that affects some of the other colors that are around there so there's again that that kind of like layering that goes on
0: well, I think after grad school, I think it kind of had a change in me. Um, I think it was like, okay, I can't keep doing these, you know, like, because I was doing a lot in in graduate school where I was taking the swimmer and I was actually using the stu- swimmer as like an illustrative portrait of me mm-hmm. and then using the background to kind of express what the swimmer was feeling, you know, like as an illustrative type of work a lot of people were telling me, you know, it's kind of a cross between illustration and fine art, but you're doing it. You're not going totally illustration. You're not going, you know? So I just, I think when I got out of grad school in a way in grad school, I felt a little trapped because I felt like, okay, I have to do this. You know, I have to get there. And once I got out of grad school, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm free. I don't have anybody telling me what to do. I can just do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And I think I just did what came to me. Like, what I felt like and I often find when I'm doing something like I'm doing it and it totally relates to how I'm feeling in that moment but it's only once it's complete that I go oh that's how I'm feeling
1: so has anything kind of changed then in terms of that 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 process or at least I guess is there like a something that might affect you like in terms of um you know how one of those moments might be like do you get affected by like weather or I don't know. I, I don't mean to make it sound weird, but like I'm trying to think about like what might affect my color schemes or like, you know, what colors I'm mixing at a certain time if I'm working through something.
0: Well, you know, I've been dealing with coming home, you know, you I mean, my father lives right down the street. Um, he's I feel like he's always constantly there <laughs> and I just felt trapped in a way like, oh, my God, am I going to get out of here? You know, am I going to be able to just get my work done, be more independent. You know, I moved home. I felt like I lost my independence in a way. I think a lot of it had to do with that. Like, I want to be moving. I want to be changing. I want to be on my own. But I maybe feel a little trapped. And I don't know if that's coming through in the pieces, but I felt like I was, in a way tumbling like one of them's tumbling I was tumbling through life in a way you know I wasn't I wasn't in control of my life as much as I wanted to be Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but I was moving forward at the same time you know I was I was I've been getting into a lot of shows you know and and I mean that's all been good and I had the teaching job and I was moving forward and I you know was finding things and. I was happy with the way my art was going and the way the career was going, but yet I was stuck here without much money, you know, and without being able to afford much.
1: Yeah. It's really the uh, dilemma of the artist, right? Really about that balance of trying to figure out how to make a living and pay your bills while, while being able to get, you know, all of this stuff done that you want to do. Cause, um, I don't know. I don't know what the alternative is. You know, I always try to. I always try to think of it when I see it and go. I'm. I'm glad I'm not doing that.
0: (laughs) Grateful for the fact that my dad had a rent-free apartment for me, Mm -hmm. because I think you know I have a job right now. I'm working 20 hours a week, maybe a little bit more, um, but that gives me the time to work on my artwork, which I wouldn't have if I had to pay for my own apartment and all. all utilities and all that stuff. I mean, I still pay for most of the utilities, but there's some things that I'm not, I don't even have to worry about right now. And it's giving me that time to work on my artwork and get, you know, work done. So... That part
1: I'm liking. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, and I guess in in terms of thinking about too the present, then, um, you know, are are there things coming up in terms of exhibitions and shows that you're that you're participating in that you're you know excited about and working uh, towards? Yes.
0: Um, I will have a piece up um, in the 29th Annual McNeese National Works on Paper Exhibition. It was uh, adjured by Brooke Davis Anderson. It was a pretty big show. They had like over 800 and something pieces to, you know, pick out. And they only chose like 72 pieces. So I was very honored to be chosen. At McNeese State University in their gallery in Lake Charles, Louisiana, um, it opens May 23rd. Or march twenty third oops um and it goes through may fifteenth I think I mean I feel like i'm working on a solo show, but mm-hmm. i don't have a location yet, so
1: right. that makes sense trying to trying to get that all kind of coordinated but again right. it's always it's always hard because I think you know sometimes just the funnest part of art is just to be able to be in the studio and i don't know there's just so many things that become kind of like Um, they feel like time sucks, but I guess they're kind of necessary, you know, you just got to like, you got to get the, yeah, exactly. You know, you rework, uh, rework all your paperwork and kind of get it all back out there and, you know, maybe retake stuff. Um, well, so it sounds like, again, you've got at least a lot of stuff that you're interested in kind of working through at the time. Um, and again, kind of, there's like a difference between that that setting of being in school versus kind of just being able to do it on your, on your own and for yourself and, right. you know, all that. So that's gotta be okay. really kind of fun. Um, like at least in, in terms of the creative side of it, right. you know, not always I think easy, in, but
0: yeah. After grad school, I think just so many ideas have come to me. I'm just like, you know, you always worry, are there going to be ideas? Are there, you know, am I going to have a lull? but no, everything I just, it's one idea after another right now. So I feel like I don't have enough time to get all the ideas done. Um, yeah.
1: Could you just, uh, let everybody know, um, where they can, where they can see your work at least, you know, online. And then of course, you know,
0: yeah, well, my website is Amanda com. That's pretty straightforward. And, um, my Instagram, you can follow me at Calico vine print shop.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, my print shop is my, living room right now, but choose sure. <laughs> um, the biggest room in my house for my studio, of course. Calico Vine Print Shop, and I post about my work, you know, what I'm doing at the time, you know, um, every couple of days. I think I haven't posted in a while, but there's been a lull since I got back from um, teaching in January, so I'm about to start up again. <laughs>
1: sure, sure. Well, again, it's it's uh, it's one of those times it's nice, I don't know, just kind of where you can kind of focus on making new work and, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, yep. well, awesome. Again, I, I really want to thank you again for taking the, the time to uh, speak with me today. Again, it's always interesting kind of getting getting the, the perspective straight from the artist, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. It was so great speaking with you, David.
1: Thanks once again to Amanda for joining us. If you'd like, you can check out her website. That's amandakralovic.com. If you'd like to follow her on Instagram, it's Print Shop. And last but not least, if you would like to follow her on Twitter, it's at chalcabineprintshop. And if you happen to be in Louisiana, you can check out her artwork at the McNeese State University. Again, it's part of the 29th Annual McNeese National Works on Paper Exhibition, and it runs through May. So please check it out. If we happen to catch some new listeners, we do want to encourage you to visit studiobreak.com and check out some of the other artists' interviews. Again, over 160 episodes, each with images of the artist's work, links to their websites. You can easily go through the archive. Just look over to the left sidebar and scroll back. You can also follow the link to the iTunes store and subscribe to the podcast. Again, a great way to stay up to date with new podcasts. And, of course, if you do like listening in iTunes, please give us some reviews, some feedback, Again, it just helps get new listeners there. And, of course, you can always help out by spreading the word. So please do us a favor. Follow our Facebook page and like it. Again, you can easily share stuff there, so we appreciate that. Please follow us on our Tumblr page, that's studio-break.tumblr. And then, of course, last but not least, you can send all your interesting tweets of artwork and all sorts of good stuff to at a Studio Break. So please say hello As always, thanks to Skylar Mail for providing the music to Studio Break. You can check out his artwork. His website is SkylarMail.com. And since you're visiting his site, please uh, take a gander at mine. That's DavidLinaway.com. Of course, as I might have revealed on here, I am getting married in uh, 50-some days. So again, it's a little sporadic. I apologize. I thank you for your patience. I will do better, I promise. And of course, um, I'm looking forward to getting a lot of new podcasts out this summer when time permits. But until then, we'll talk to you real soon.